When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. One day in the pub, Seb and Verity were socializing with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think? Seb Philpott. And my name is Verity Simmons, and this is Three in a Bar. Well, hey, welcome along, listeners. And uh, you join us here on this podcast where every week we chat to a different musical guest. We and do. It's all sorts of different people. Um, but this week we've got a fantastic uh, friend of mine and bass trombone player. Mm. In, in that order. <laughs> Is that he how doesn't he say that on it? his biography. Yeah. yeah. He, the main thing about me is that I'm friends with Seb Philpott. He runs this great <laughs> podcast with his friend Verity. Um, his name is Dan West. Well, hey! Now, I've got a biography here from the Con Selma website, of which Dan is an artist. Lovely. Which means uh, nothing. I think it means he gets 10% off a trombone if he wants here we go here is the biography since moving to london oh, this in... is the theme of this episode happened you just you just froze for me oh did i <laughs> oh blimey oh yeah so it's how ironic connection is unstable oh my god <laughs> well i'll continue okay go on, continue go on where i got to since moving to london in 2005 bass trombonist dan west has established himself as a busy and versatile musician well done, Dan. Mm-hmm. Born in Canada, Dan studied at the University of North Texas and Royal Academy of Music before embarking on a career which has seen him work with all of the London's major orchestras. <gasps> That's pretty good. That is really good. As well as many leading orchestras around the UK and Europe. Not very specific about those. <laughs> I imagine it's not all of them. Uh, he has recorded for film and TV in things such as Dunkirk, mm. Avengers Endgame, Dumbo, Justice League, 
Mission Impossible Fallout, The Crown. What? You must have heard of some of those guys. Yeah. He was in the production of Phantom of the Opera since 2015 until it sadly came to a close last year in 2020. Mm. He is a member of the Chamber Ensemble Septura, which are a very excellent seven-piece brass group. Yes. He is also in the, as he writes here, the powerhouse South London-based brass band Old Dirty Brastards, which frequently performs the world's biggest pop hits to thousands of people at major festivals such as Glastonbury and in huge venues around the UK. Old Fantastic. I'm in, I'm in that band too. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so we chatted to Dan and uh, what did we talk about? Everything. We did. We, did every, we talked about everything. If you're listening on Monday, the 1st of March. Yeah. Well done. Meteorologically, the first day of spring. Oh, hooray. Congrats. Um, if you're listening today and it's still before like the evening, yeah, Septura have got a live uh, stream gig from Wigmore Hall. <gasps> so oh, yes. stop this now. Stop this listening to yeah. this and get on to that and check that out. It sounds like they're doing and, a great program. Um, very exciting. Very yeah. virtuosic. Very, Listen very, up. Very virtuosic. Yeah. They're amazing. They're really good. Um, Dan talks about preparing for this very concert uh-huh. in, in the start of the uh, conversation. What else did we chat about in this variety? We chatted about life back in Calgary, uh, his early days. Yeah. We talked about marching bands. We talked about all oh, the fear factor involved in some of those bands and other ones at Texas University. It sounded terrifying. Um, we talked about his freelance career in London. We talked about Phantom. Oh, we reminisced about some amazing meals in between shows in the West End. Um, yes. And oh, a little, so uh, must put a bit of a warning in here. This episode oh, is yeah. brought to you courtesy of a very un- unstable internet connection. Um, yeah. So there's some really hilarious, awkward silences, which I couldn't quite work out whether it, what he thought I just said was really <laughs> lame or whether it was the internet. And I think maybe 50-50, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a couple of times where I ask quite a... Um, so not cutting but just like i kind of really get to the a, a vulnerable point yeah for him and then it just stopped i was like oh it's a bad that's a bad time for the internet to go i hope the internet has gone it's not <laughs> yeah because there was one point where i said oh internet's gone he said no i'm still here <laughs> <laughs> awkward <laughs> uh, well look um let's get into the chat and yes. then at the end we will uh link to uh some of the things that he talks about or you can just look at the links now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talk about lots of different stuff. And here it is. This is Dan West. Dan, maybe you should do the count in because you're, you're warmed up. Okay, uh, ready? One, two, three, four. It's the lag, isn't it? It's a, it's a lag. Well, let's, lag. let's say that, shall we? <laughs> Something yeah. to do with the fact that I've been... Deeply unmusical for a long while. <laughs> oh my I've god! I've always been always been deeply unmusical. Do you guys feel like um, you're losing your musicality? God, yeah, 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 yeah. If you, I think you, it's I, impossible not to. Well, I mean, I kind of hope it's there, sort of dormant, like like it, like a sourdough starter you've left in the fridge. <laughs> oh come It'll on! It surely is. All those I, years, like, um, it's got to be. It's like riding a bicycle. I paid enough money to music colleges over the years that I would hope that it stuck, you know, all that knowledge. You'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so too. I guess we'll just find out at some point. 
I had to record something earlier for somebody, and it just it, all it said was it had one instruction. It just said play it straight, which should be so easy for me because I'm slow. It's not like my swinging cello playing is renowned, but like I just found that really. I found really stressful trying to just play some quavers straight because I was so scared that I'd been given a marking that I had to follow. It was awful. Mm. It took ages. Oh, God. Let's hope it comes back. (laughs) That's a nightmare. You're going to swing everything from now on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm a changed person. (laughs) Fred has been doing purely jazz cello since last March. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd have a project, you know. (laughs) It's a slow one. Yeah, everybody's yeah. got to have a little hobby. Yeah. 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 What have you been doing? Are you playing much? Are you are you practising through this month? I have been practising a bit because I, I got a date in the diary, 1st of March, which is, I think, creeping up very quickly in Wigmore Hall. Uh, so I, it's Whoa. a little live stream as well. So it ends up being like a little bit high pressure as you're sort of, um, welcome back to the professional world. And here is a live performance of... <laughs> <laughs> Dan West breaking it. Viewable um, by seven billion people. Yeah, yeah, because there will definitely be seven people. Uh, yeah, seven people. Seven maybe. people. Seven people streaming it. But yeah, yeah so I've been I've been practicing with. It's nice to have a little sort of um, a tiny little like goal on the horizon of something to mm. practice towards. Yeah, but again, absolutely. yeah, I, I have that fear. Like, will I remember what I'm what I'm supposed to do? But yeah. I've had a couple of little patches of work here and there. So. I've right. been able to kind of keep, you know, they've been like keeping in touch. But yeah, it's not, yeah, that's um, good. I don't feel match fit. What are you playing? <laughs> no. Is it is it high stress stuff as well? Or can you wing it a little bit? No. <laughs> I find everything to be uh, high stress stuff. It's, it's all high, it's all high anxiety uh, based trombone playing for me. So um, <laughs> no, it, it's, um, it's a program. It's like this um, brass septet, septura that, um, I'm a member of and we it's a it's a program we've played a lot it's a it's Gershwin's American in Paris kind of range for brass septet so that's quite heavy oh, cool. going you know and yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's really fun but it is a bit like a it's like a roller coaster ride like you buy the ticket and then you're just on it and uh hope for the best but it, it's it's really fun but um hopefully it's still fun I don't know we'll find out on Monday yeah. but a few other a few other things it's some French music as well a bit of like um uh, Mother Goose and a couple of maybe Debussy preludes and some Gershwin oh, preludes nice. as well. But oh, that sounds it's brilliant! It, it should be. It's a good program, and we toured it around the state. It's, it's one of the last kind of things I did before the world ended last year. But we were mm. in America for three weeks, so we should know the program hopefully. But um, yeah, I'm still, you know, I've been keeping my lip in shape a bit, but I, I still manage to pr- procrastinate on meaningful practice on what I should be practicing. You know, so I still find a way to procrastinate, but. Of course. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Is that the, the septura? Is that the hardest thing you do, do you think? So that seems hard, that stuff. It is. It, Not that it sounds hard, but it, it is pretty difficult. It's, I, I, it's hard for me because I put a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. 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 You do. Yeah. Arranging everything for just seven players. And they tend to arrange, they're arranging kind of bigger and bigger classical pieces like the. They did the, the Nutcracker, you know, for example, and that's and I think the most oh. difficult thing we did we did Swan we did Swan Lake, which was absolutely ridiculous, you know, <laughs> for seven for seven players of anything, let alone sometimes if you let it, you'd feel like maybe there's a microscope on you, but then also you know it it's all you know your own perception of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, whether people are listening to it or not is also a big factor, but yeah, yeah, it can be quite difficult. Are you happy when it's over? Is that the best bit? 
it's it is a it's a ride you know it is like <laughs> it is like a roller coaster it is like a um adrenaline rush for sure you you definitely feel alive afterwards that's for sure and yeah. and thirsty usually as well thirsty <laughs> yeah have you got a plan then for after the Wigmore Hall gig a, a, a drinking plan no I I can't spare a thought for drinking these days. Oh, it won't be allowed. That's technically not work, is it? Yeah, it's not legal. Well, it depends if you're pretending to exercise at the same time. So if you're having like a, hmm. a fast walk and a drink, I think that's okay. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. You go for a jog. <laughs> yeah. Jog, have it in your backpack with a couple of straws. <laughs> that's a good idea. There's... It's fine. There's ways around these things. <laughs> <laughs> I need to buy one of those things, one of those like rucksacks with a drink in it. What do you call those things? It has a little straw. I know. Is there I really a name for that one. thing? It's what it's the sort of runner yeah. has them. I tell you the kind of runner. They're the runners that on those big events say, Thank you, Marshall. It's those Thank sorts you, of runners. It's those sorts yeah. of runners who have those backpacks <laughs> with the straws, isn't it? <laughs> I want one too. I've got one of them. <laughs> I bet you have, so <laughs> do you say thank you, Marshall? Of course I say thank you, Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> those guys are they're giving up their Saturday mornings. Yeah. To do a park I went, run. I went on my first my first ever like run full stop like <gasps> yesterday. Whoa. Well yeah, wow. it's so stressed out about not being able to fit into my, you know, three piece suit for this gig on Monday. I, I just um I had a real shock when I tried to put on anything that wasn't an elasticated waistband recently and I just decided, okay, enough's enough. <laughs> I'm gonna do couch to five K and I've I've done one. So I'm on step step one of one baby steps. Great. Hey, that is good. Yeah, that's really brilliant. Did you enjoy it? I did actually enjoy it, but actually my my foot kind of hurts today, to be honest. But um, hopefully I can go for round two tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how long was the first run? Was it like... Oh, I don't even know. You know, it's like one of those things, um, 60 second intervals and then then walk for a bit. But it's just like the weather's turning. It's really nice to be out. and uh, yes, so it did, good. It's it the best time, isn't it? It did yeah. so much for my headspace, you know, for, because, um, you know, the anxiety at the moment is off the scale. It's insane, yeah. isn't it? Well, oh, for me, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, much yeah. so. But running and kind of getting the blood pumping really, I mean, I'm not, you know, I probably will never run again. I'll, I'll try and run tomorrow maybe, but it really helped. It did help a lot. Have you gone more over to production side of things during while we've been off work, essentially? Has it given you the opportunity to go into more of a production side or is it writing? What area have you gone into? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of sort of writing or, or production a bit. I did, um, you know, Seb and I play in the All Dirty Brass. Yeah. And, uh, they were kind enough to let me kind of tackle this little Christmas double uh, A side, kind of two, um, two Christmas singles. So I had... While it was still sort of legal, I had everybody come in and we re- yeah, recorded, kind of layered up this brass um, version of John Lennon and Paul McCartney's Christmas tunes, which was really fun. But Brilliant. I used to, um, you know, about 10 years ago, I, I did a bit of home recording, kind of writing like really bad bargain basement, kind of Radiohead knockoffs, basically. <laughs> and, uh, but I, always, you know, I never really recorded like a full album of it. And I, I, I'm originally from Canada and I've got yeah. two of my best mates back at home are... Um, or like songwriters. So we kind of, we were collaborating, we were doing like the lockdown collaboration thing, but in 2009, you know, we were, um, we were writing songs and sending stems to each other and mixing stuff down, but it, it wasn't as sophisticated as what everyone's got it to these days. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's like a well-oiled machine now with online collaboration, but so, yeah, so I'm kind of carrying on with this old project. It's like, you know, my equivalent of, of a band writing, yeah, kind of third rate Radiohead stuff, but it's, it's been really, you know, it's, it's been kind of fulfilling and, I've been trying to write library music as well and 
that sort of thing. But, you know, obviously nothing's actually paying the bills on, on that regard yet, but, um, or not sure it ever will, but it's, it's been nice to kind of scratch that creative itch anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So did you kind of go then sort of about sort of 10 years or so without doing creative stuff apart from maybe a bit of arranging? Yeah, I'd say the, yeah, the, the only creative thing I was doing was arranging for, for the old day bastards, you know, like doing, um, pop covers of on brass. So yeah. Yeah, that whole side of my uh, there was a point where it's all I really wanted to do was write. To you know, I suppose I burnt out on playing the trauma at some point. One of my very you know one of my several burnouts on playing the trauma all the time. And um, I yeah wrote a bunch of songs kind of after I finished maybe you know finished university and into music college and in the summers in between I was I just really wanted to write just wanted to write music you know but. Um, Oh. I think he's frozen. I don't think that's just a long pause. <laughs> I hope it's not a long pause. If it is, it's... It sounds like something yeah. very dramatic. I know exactly what's coming. Dan. <laughs> oh, have you? Oh, there, it, there we uh, go. Ah, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a thing. Sorry about that, guys. Wait, right. Where did he lose me? What was I going on about? College, and I think at that point it just went. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I was writing a bit. Um, after music college or just as I was finishing music college, writing a lot of music and it was kind of what I wanted to do. And then uh, kind of freelancing on the bass trombone kind of gradually started picking up and it kind of takes over your life, doesn't it? You get yeah. get ingrained in trying to climb the ladder of uh, getting some gigs. and But it, but you know, by the end, just it was a total afterthought. But I, I remember complaining to Seb on a stag do once. I think I was probably drunk and in tears saying, <laughs> God, I, I just want to do this other thing. <laughs> and then you know that's one positive is lockdowns let me kind of uh explore that a bit and have a bit of fun doing that yeah what was it you you were complaining to me about you was there a specific thing you wanted to do like writing writing songs or i think it was just not what i was doing i don't not know yeah I, I, I <laughs> just wanted, wanted to do something a bit different like i felt a bit trapped in my life at that time maybe so yeah so so you you were doing Phantom of the Opera, which you did for five years. That's right, yeah. Would that have been the main trap in your life that was going on? He's frozen again. Oh, no, there's, a, there's movement. Oh, oh, guys, so I'm, I don't know why. I'm, I, I should have good internet here. It should be good. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, playing in a West End show every night. And, or, um, and I was also trying to freelance, like keeping up, a, you know, basically spinning all the plates keep things going in case you know for whatever reason they decided to sack me or the show came down because because you, you see it a lot people do a west end show for 25 years and then they don't really have any other outlets they don't really have any other it, it takes them a while to build back up a, a portfolio so i was trying to keep a lot of things going and also keep the show happy like not you know without me taking too many but then i also had kids around that same time so it seemed for a while I felt a little bit oppressed because like every moment of every day is sort of spoken for, you know, but that's um, so many things all at once. So yeah. many new things like any one part of those that like having a busy freelance career, having a show, having kids would fill your life. <laughs> but that's that's a heck of a combination. It was sort of like five years of that. It was the this, the year I had my first child in yeah, 2015. We had Evan in January. And then I think in March, I, I did a month's worth of like quote unquote trial for Phantom. And then in April, I had the gig. And I, w I was on trial for like Philharmonia and BBC Concert Orchestra at the same time. I was still trying to keep those kind of, you know, just trying to do too much stuff really but um do you think because you were doing all those things though does that sort of decrease the nerves for any one specific thing do you think you play better on on 
phantom trial and then on other trials you were doing because you weren't worrying, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, going into phantom, those guys made me feel very comfortable. So, I mean, there's no surprise that that was the job I ended up sticking with was because they made me feel at home every time I went in there, you know, and um, I, I definitely feel... I play much better when I'm comfortable. I think we all, obviously we all play much better when we feel comfortable. I mean, maybe there are some people who like really thrive on adversity, but that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I, I, like, I like a warm embrace. I like people to, uh, yes. I like them to be happy to see me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's fair which, enough. <laughs> which wasn't the case with, with some places I went, you know, <laughs> and having, having a show, like having, um, having a kind of regular income in is, it does take the pressure off then as well. You know, Every time you go in somewhere, it's not like life or death. You know, it's not putting food on your family's table. You think, oh well, if I if if I split a note and they're really unhappy about it and they don't they don't hire me again, well, I've still I can go back to the show. The the flip side is now a reality. You know, like so the uh, Phantoms now kind of moved on from the orchestra they had, and uh, and so yeah, so it's kind of going back out into the wider freelance world, and it does sort of feel like. Um, you know, there's so little work going around that that the little bits and bobs I do, I you know, it's impossible not to feel incredibly anxious about. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're getting getting through it. Because that ended very abruptly, didn't it, Phantom? Like the the whole thing. I mean, was it a shock? Well, I could kind of smell it coming uh, because I am a massive cynic. I'm really um, a bit pessimistic, you know. And I I thought, you know what they're going to do because around the same time they had just rehearsed this whole production this touring production which had a 14 piece orchestra in it which is about half the size of the west end band and um oh, alarm bells but they with other with their other tours they just kind of froze them and then for the phantom tour they just cancelled it they said these dates will never happen it's not going to happen i thought well, that's interesting and then yeah they they kind of sacked us all in june um over a zoom call of a hundred and oh. 140-person uh, wow. company. Oh, my God. Well, Sactus is maybe the wrong word, but they relieved us of our contractual obligations. And then... What, there uh, were, like, 150 people on a Zoom call? Yeah, 140-something. 140, 140, and someone who someone just told you, and then what, did they just, like, leave the conversation and let you just fight it out? He's frozen at that exact moment again. <laughs> I mean... I I, I can hear I can hear you guys. Hello. I can hear me now. Yeah. Um I wish it was like actually maybe I haven't been sacked. Maybe it was just my internet being really bad and <laughs> it just yeah. froze at the exact wrong moment. Yeah. You know, it was really it was really funny. It was a really eerie day. It was like June, um June last year, and it was like a huge thunderstorm and there was there was lightning struck like within a mile of here, you know, while I was on this call. Uh, it was, it was, you know, I was, I was sitting in this bay window yeah. chatting on a Zoom call, and uh, and lightning was like striking outside, and it's like, what is going on? Here? But, um, Did a chandelier smash through the window? <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit like that. Yeah, I was expecting that to happen, but um, <laughs> yeah, there was yeah, loads of people, all the actors, all the backstage crew, everyone was on this call, and it kind of, I mean, I think some people were expecting it, but. Uh, a lot of people like had been doing that show for 34 years and, yes. and to be kind of, you know, dispatched in that way. That's not, it's not like great. I don't think, but Hey, they do what they want. Have you spoken to any of those guys that have been doing it all that time? Like, I mean, obviously you, um, you'd be in touch with the brass guys and, and, and your, your, your guys, but I'm thinking of people like, you know, Bob on cello. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bob wasn't on the Zoom meeting because he doesn't have the internet and he doesn't have emails. So all of this stuff right. kind of went over his head. And I think oh, I think guy. somebody from the orchestra had to um, had to kind of break it to him over the phone or something. I, I, yeah, oh, I hope he's oh, all right. But he, that was his routine. You know, he it was this cellist who maybe depped out two shows a year. Like I'm not even exaggerating. He, he was famous for doing you know, hundreds yeah, of performances every every that. year. He pretty much did every single show since the beginning, right? I think he did over 15,000 performances. Oh, my though, God. Which is amazing. He must have his hand, like, formed in a specific claw that can just do it. <laughs> like, trying to play other things and it just does phantom. The phantom That's claw. It. it just comes out as phantom. Yeah. Can't yeah. help it. <laughs> that, that is entirely possible. <laughs> to keep yourself fresh through those five years i mean going out and playing other things sure that must have been great but did you have like psychological tactics when you were actually in there doing the show to keep yourself interested well yeah um i read a lot <laughs> well the, my part my part was <laughs> um my my part was great it was you know you get the tune every so often which for a bass trombonist isn't all that often but you get like a nice you get the tune in a big kind of orchestral tutti bit which was awesome but then you'd also have five minutes five minutes off and i i just read i read everything i could and it was, it was great i loved it it was um that kept me fairly interesting interested and obviously you know being in the west end on a matinee day there's a lot of places you can go for tea oh, and yeah. a lot of people you can meet up with yeah, it was good fun. It seems like a different world. Did you go to Meat Market much? Oh, I went there a few times, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That's the king, isn't it? <laughs> that that Did, is a good one, yeah. Monkey Fingers? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, Monkey Fingers. Monkey that's fingers. The <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just calling that, you names. <laughs> mon- hey, hey, Monkey Fingers. Verity and I really bonded over Monkey Fingers when we did, yeah. when we did Funny Girl. <laughs> yeah. I remember eating them at like the, 7.28. They amazing. I probably shouldn't yeah. say this, actually, should I? But I remember running down the road at 7.28 with <laughs> monkey fingers in my hands. They were so good. <laughs> so good. Does it have a blue cheese dip? Where's your favourite? Where was your favourite place? Because I imagine they're, they're closed now too. But uh, where was your favourite place to go and eat for a tea? Yeah, we, in, the, in the last couple of years, we kept going to this Italian place that um, the second trumpet, uh, John Hutchins, and I found one day... We were, we were doing some work with ECO or something and we had a, a obviously we're both on the show in the evening. So we, we kind of journeyed in through town. I think we walked from Camden uh, down to the show and we had, we just ended up finding this old, um, this little Italian that looked sort of like a, like it was family run with little trestle tables and all that. And uh, yeah, that ended up maybe for the last two years, we'd go there every other tea time and they, they looked after us you know they gave us a, we kind of had a little special deal going on and nice. where where is this place it's uh it's called il conte il conte oh yeah um it's behind piccadilly oh yeah where, i think i've been there with you where's it nearest to is it sort of yeah, yeah around by it's um, right by yeah you would have been there with me by the um what's oh, that i can't what is town crazy cox like? sort of around that know. way isn't it I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little cabaret place. In the summer, I I bought a couple of rounds. I I, I did a, a bit of work, and you know everybody know uh, everybody knew that I was kind of struggling financially because I you know I didn't qualify for any of the sort of government support and whatnot, and uh, so people weren't really looking at me to get my round in, for example. But it's it's such an ethos when you're working in the West End. It's like, well, oh, Dan hasn't got. 
and yeah. I got a round in, you know. So I, I was very conscious and I I, I kind of like bit my lip and went to the bar and, and bought this round and, you know, everybody, you know, th this summer. Yeah. And then somebody turned up with his girlfriend and she wanted like a dry white wine. And it's like, oh God, that was 50, 50 British pounds. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate, that's yeah. so hard. It's a tough situation that because you, yeah, you want to. Oh man, like I could, that's like a quarter of my, uh, my family's food budget. <laughs> oh God. Awful. Oh, but, mate. But things have things have changed, you know. Things have massively changed. You're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to, you know, really, you know, look after the finances for a few years to make up for this. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear you in that awful, massive excluded bracket. It's just absolutely horrendous. And has there been any kind, no kind of help for you guys? Not really. I mean, I, I got, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have to self-isolate at some point in January for a week. So they paid me 500 quid for that, which, you know, had to jump through a few hoops. And yeah, I think we, we qualify for universal credit. But if you do any work, basically, uh, if you do a couple of gigs, it more or less knocks you completely off it. So but it but it's handy for like, you know, j uh, January and February have been you know very quiet. But so, so, yeah, we'll actually qualify for like a small payment. But, you know, it, it doesn't cover the um the mortgage or anything but um you know you i i wouldn't expect the you know the state to be subsidizing my life or anything but it, it's not like i'm living like a king out here no it's just that it's so close it's it, it's the whole the unfairness of the fact that you know it's such a fine line between whether you are or aren't able to to claim you know i just think it's very it's rubbish that so many you know we've all been lucky enough to get some but you know yeah, it's been the source of a lot of grief for me. So it, I could easily end up going on a kind of like 25-minute rant against the Chancellor of the Exchequer or something. But uh, I think I'll avoid that. I think I'm, I think I'm kind of just over it. I've, I've just accepted that I've been shafted yeah. and um, going yeah. to move on with my life. And yeah, uh, yeah hopefully kind of um, survive and, and get through it despite, you know, their best efforts to... I don't know. To I don't. Know, it does feel a little yeah, bit like fine. being like oppressed. But hey, hey, hey mm. whatever. Yeah, I guess like for, for this whole year as well. And despite having the, like all of us, the whole industry disappear and and all that and the uncertainty and, and the anxiety that comes from that. But on top of that, you've you've also been you know fighting to to try and raise awareness, like like mm. or just just writing to MPs or, or writing stuff on Twitter and just. Every day, pretty much, I've seen you. You know, you've been writing stuff and trying to trying to change the situation, but to sadly, like no avail. So that must be pretty exhausting. Well, I feel I'm not the kind of person who I don't really want to put my neck out and be whinging in a public forum all the time. It's not my style to do that. I hate no, no. doing that. But I've had. I feel like I've had to to just do my bit to try and raise a bit of awareness because because Dan, <laughs> this is very strange. Oh, hello. I've, I've got pretty. Hi. Hi. I don't know what's going on. I've got, I've got it's saying that my internet connection is unstable and I've, uh, I've normally got great Wi Fi. I don't know what it oh, is. Mate, going on. I, I know the feeling. It, it just, I, I apologize. Yeah, no. It's just, it's just life now, isn't it? That's what it's like. They'll say it's good, but it's just say it's unstable. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Don't know how it works. I tried to teach a cello lesson the other day where I literally couldn't see the child moving for the entire lesson. I could just hear roughly what they were playing. <laughs> In many ways, it was an advantage. But... <laughs> it's it's yeah. difficult to teach people kind of rhythm and tempo because you don't because you could speed up really quickly. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's so true. 
Yeah, I've only taught a couple of lessons on Zoom, and yeah, that was the experience. My, I was making a comment about trying to keep a steady tempo, and I realized, oh, it's just because of the broadband. <laughs> They're actually great. They sound great. Yeah. yeah, I think the precursor to any comment has to be, it could just be Zoom, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, it's awful. Um, where were we? we? Oh, it was quite a depressing conversation, wasn't it, about... Um... People selling their homes and that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe we should skim back to Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, let's go, yeah, let's I'd go love back. To talk about, I really, I'd love to hear about your, your beginnings, Dan, and um, what life was like for a young, plucky uh, Canadian man, boy, in Calgary. Yeah, it was, um, it was cold, you know, really cold uh, in the winter. And uh, yeah. How cold were we talking? It could get really cold, like minus... I mean, th- I've seen minus 40. But, Whoa. Um, oh. minus, I've got minus 32 kind of fresh on the memory one time I went back and it, you know, you think you're prepared for it and it just cuts through all your winter clothes and your coat and everything. It's it's a very, it's like a dry cold too. So it's in, in some ways it's not as bad as if it gets really cold here. You know, it's um, for some reason, it, uh, I think a, a lower... A lower temperature there, you can put up with a little bit more, but you wouldn't want to be out in the elements for very long, I don't think. What was the music scene like in Calgary? So I kind of came up playing classical guitar. Well, like and, like uh, um, did, 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 John Williams, like footstool kind of and all. Yeah, like played footstool. Yeah, bit long of fingernails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. I mean, that's what I do. Keep my fingernails very long for uh, for sort of if I ever need to do any sort of finger picking on my acoustic guitar or something. Yeah, and then. About 12, 13 in year seven, so in uh, what is junior high school, um, most Canadian kind of uh, state schools, which is why I went, um, they all have like a wind band program. So it's all, uh, you know, band band geeks, that sort of thing, you know, uh, American Pie, all that. It's, uh, <laughs> was it marching band or were you sat down? Uh, it's That was sat down, but my, my high school I went to, so from year 10, was one of the only schools in that had a marching band so that i spent a whole kind of autumn in in calgary which is cold like marching around this uh sort of horse jumping field with a marching tuba and with a mouthpiece frozen to my lips kind of thing like it's uh <laughs> i mean it does seem it feels like fiction to me to think back to that it's, it's like so far removed from anything i do now is it hard but, to uh, jump over a yeah, hedge it, with a <laughs> playing a euphonium <laughs> I would love to see that. It was hard for me. It's hard for me to do that. Do the steeplechase. Clearing a water jump. (laughs) You had to mark time, mark time wherever you ended up. It was, yeah. It was, it's a a different culture kind of thing. I'm fascinated by that because you see these videos of, I guess it's predominantly American bands doing marching bands rather than Canadian, would you say? There's huge numbers of people. And much more people playing brass instruments that, than you would get here. They've just got a culture for it, I guess. But I love how they managed to kind of wrangle all these people to learn enough to do it. And I guess it's more about the sort of choreography of it. So everyone looks like they're all doing the right thing. Mm. And there's an incredible noise. So, like, I just yeah, wonder what that noise. What's that? What is that like to be part of that? How is what? How do they teach you? Oh God, how do they even teach you that? I don't thinking back to it you just get shouted at you know like uh you march in time mega sort of thing and like one time. two three yeah left right yeah, i think fear is the great motivator i, I mean i don't mm. there wasn't any consequence but you just get shouted at and kind of uh humiliated in public if you 
didn't march in time. But it, it, I mean, it takes a lot of coordination as well. I think at, at the start, especially as like you just learn how to play the instrument for a couple of years. But I ended up I went to university in the states, and the university I went to had an enormous marching band program. I, I wasn't involved whatsoever in that, but it had hundreds of people in this marching band and like pet bands and stuff and people just kind of blurting as, as loud as they can. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a different culture for sure. So you went from, you went from Calgary to Texas, didn't you? That's a hell of a change of scene. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. It, it seems like I've, I've kind of led like three or four different lives in my lifetime, like totally, <laughs> totally different, um, scene of friends, different people. It, and yeah, it was for one thing, it was a hell of a lot harder there. Like when I got to, yes. I mean, they measured they measure everything in Fahrenheit, but the week I got there were a week straight. I think they, they hadn't had rain for four months and it was like 117 Fahrenheit, whatever that is. Like it was, it was absolutely insane. And, you know, you can, I was, you know, quite a large guy lugging this huge bass trombone case around. I had, and, you know, it was, uh, it was quite, a, quite a different. Should I get off the plane wearing a, a Parker <laughs> and like a Willie hat? Gloves. Yeah. Whoa, what's this? Yeah, yeah. If they ever made a uh, kind of biographical movie about me, I hope that's the scene that that would depict <laughs> yeah, the whole. Thing. Okay. But I, I went to I went to Texas with one thing. Like my only thing in my head I could think of with Texas was a was like a desert with like a desiccated cow skeleton. Like that's all. <laughs> I, so I, I don't know how that came about or what, but it just did. I suppose one of those. It seems like my life is just something that was kind of like a path laid down in front of me, and I just ended up going on it. <laughs> Well, really? So do you feel like you weren't in control of your your destiny? It was pre-written. I don't know. I think I had to make decisions at certain points to make those things happen. But it it always just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Yeah, because um, what brought you then over to the UK, having been to Texas? Well, my um, the university I went to had like a, an enormous like music program. I think there were seventy trombone majors there, so seven oh. zero, which is insane. Wow! You know? Yeah, it had um, has I don't know if it has any more, but it had nine big bands. Uh, it was the it was the first <laughs> university in the world that offered a jazz studies degree. People kind of flocked there to to learn jazz and stuff. Well, obviously, I'm not a jazz. I wish I was, but. Um, uh, so yeah, there was a really great trombone professor there and his wife was kind of a specialist in helping brass players with kind of, uh, these neurological playing disorders like you get. And, um, yeah. my, my teacher at the academy, Bob Hughes, who's, you know, one, possibly my biggest kind of hero based trombone wise, like the, one of the best players ever really. And he, he was in the LSO and he got these playing problems like he couldn't he couldn't produce notes and uh so he came over to get some help from my teacher's wife and uh I got a couple of lessons on it often while he was over and I it just sort of materialized he thought I should he thought I could or should come over and audition or at least audition for the academy and I was kind of, I, I nearly I nearly went to San Francisco Conservatory but I, I ended up kind of deciding to go for a pretty drastic change of scene I guess yeah oh wow so if it hadn't been for Bob coming over to, to see her then you, you probably wouldn't have gone it, it wasn't on my radar as kind of anything to do until i met bob but right the thing the thing was i was getting these lessons from bob who couldn't he couldn't play at the time and he wasn't playing in or he, maybe he, he was working on getting back to playing with jan kagerice who's this uh, kind of specialist in focal dystonia which is this condition that bob bob has or had and uh, but I, I have these lessons with bob 
and he wasn't playing, but the kind of wisdom and music, like the, the nuance musically he provided, like that he could impart, like he, he just, he just knew everything about every piece of music, every excerpt he played a hundred times. And he was bringing out, you know, aspects musically that I had never heard before in my life. I just mm. thought it was incredible. I, I, I need, I thought, I need to know more about this. I need to learn more. I am, I am glad that I did. Yeah. yeah I am. So you came <laughs> over specifically, specifically for him, really, and it wasn't like you weren't drawn to the London music scene or anything. No, not really. I mean, another factor was being Canadian. I could not work in the United States of America, and uh, unless I got married to my um, my girlfriend at the time. But I have uh, Scottish ancestry, so my my grandparents were born in Orkney, oh. which is quite cool. And they moved to Canada. Well, my granddad moved to Canada when he was one or two or something. And then, so I knew if I I could work in the UK on this an, on this ancestry visa, and I had a kind of path to citizenship. So it it seemed like a logical thing, but I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know like the viper's nest that was the <laughs> the London music scene. But <laughs> yeah, I just sort of I just sort of dove in. <laughs> it's probably the best way actually isn't it <laughs> oh yeah i think if i had if i knew what i was getting myself into i mean would have been terrified i think <laughs> ever since coming to london i guess it's just been like a uh, stepping onto a treadmill or something like that just non-stop really yeah a meat grinder or something I don't know. <laughs> yeah do you feel like you're yeah a, pro- a product you're you're on the factory conveyor belt it's the, yeah, to... what's what's the best analogy for like working in in London? It's like being stretched in a hundred directions simultaneously. Maybe mm. yeah, it's on the rack. You're on the rack. Yeah. On the rack. Yeah, yeah. yeah or with like... with one of those lasers just going between your genitals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the, and there's a there's a newer uh, improved version of you like in the in the packet right next to you that they're just happy to put on the slab. <laughs> like as soon as you've been worn out. <laughs> yes, spat in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, maybe a bit cynical but well you know um but so so you went to the royal academy and did you just learn with bob did you learn with other teachers i got um lessons off ian bousfield and dennis wick as well which for me like um i i, I knew about ian since i was in canada actually ian bousfield was the uh principal trombos of the lso and then he went to the vienna philharmonic orchestra and he's one of the only kind of really successful uh, trombone soloists and um, kind of historically is kind of difficult. There's only been a handful of people who have really made a living or or made their name as like a trombone soloist. And and Ian Ian was one of those. And he came through he came through Calgary before I was playing trombone. But all of the kind of older kids I knew in Canada who played trombone had this poster of Ian Um they, they pronounce his name Boozfield because that's what that's what we do in Canada is we, uh, we pronounce people's names incorrectly. I thought that was just a joke. Do you actually do that? No, they they call them they call them Boozfield. I, I, so I thought his name was Ian Ian Boos Ian Boosfield or something. And he um, he th- but this this uh, this poster is legendary. He's he's got it's for a Yamaha and he's got this huge mullet and a massive mustache. So I I ended up. I ended up meeting him when I went to Texas and he, he did like this, um, this kind of show stopping, uh, hour and a half, two hour nonstop recital all from memory to this, like 700 people in this Texan music college. And it was it, still to this day, it's like the most impressive thing I've ever witnessed on the trombone. And I was completely starstruck. And 
so yeah, I got, I got to go to the academy and study with this guy. I, I, he was always one of my heroes, and yeah, so I, I had you know a, a fair few lessons off him and and Dennis Wick as well, who who literally wrote the book on the trombone, like trombone technique. And I think one of my one of my final projects in university was sort of like a like a two thousand word summary of this book of Dennis Wick's book on trombone. So then I got to study a little bit with him which was pretty cool so i mean the academy is an amazing place you get all these superstars there isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. do you please, remember things sorry go on so i was gonna say please tell me that you grew a mullet and had a mustache to <laughs> emulate your hero it was to be honest like anyone who knows me from back then it wasn't far off i had like <laughs> good i can't i kind of had kurt cobain uh locks i had a bit of a bob and i and then i grew this monster kind of beard so i, I was pretty hairy for a while yeah in <laughs> my in my academy days yeah. <laughs> i've seen photos from that era it's before i knew you but um... yeah i, I kind of wish it was before anybody knew me but, um <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think I might have overdid it though, because now it's like my hair is really suffering. I, I think I strained my hair back then. I grew it too long. <laughs> too I much went pressure. too far. You tested out the follicles too much. Yep. Yeah. I just went too far and now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any things that you remember from your time at Academy that was like a light bulb moment like that spoke to you and just cut through all that? Oh, God. I don't know. You can say no. <laughs> <laughs> None. <laughs> I I, as you can tell, I don't think I've had that many light bulb moments in my life. Really. <laughs> I think um, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if I did. I, I can remember like specific little moments, like little snippets of of wisdom that that popped up that that might maybe change the way I, I approach things. But I think by the time I went to the academy, I was like twenty three or twenty. How no twenty twenty one twenty two. So I'd, I'd done when I, in Texas. I did. Uh, I did five years. So I, um, I was playing in this big band, which we tour like the world there. And, um, I wanted to do like an extra year in the big band. So I just, um, kind of tagged on for an extra year of university. So I did five years. Oh, right. So I was a bit kind of older and, uh, over seasoned by the time I got to the Academy. What's that big band called? Uh, it's called the one o'clock lab band. Oh, and, okay. um, Ooh. it's pretty intense. Like I, I like to think that whoever wrote that movie, Whiplash probably, had some knowledge of the North Texas music scene. <laughs> oh, really? Did you have a nightmare leader? Well, he's just very intense. It, it, this band leader called Neil Neil Slater, and, and he was a he was a composer, and he was like a New York hard edge jazz guy. And he, he's really edgy, dark jazz, you know. Yeah, it was it was a pretty intense experience. It was amazing. It was amazing, but you you couldn't make mistakes. Like you just could not make a mistake. It's not mm. you know. And if you did, you'd get you know chastised by your colleagues and made fun of behind your back and stuff so it's really intense kind God. of time it sounds like yeah. a college movie right there like there's there's a movie to make made out of that <laughs> whole experience yeah i mean it, it was cool i mean we, we went to thailand we were a gift to play to the king of thailand in uh we went Whoa. to like his summer palace and um wowzers it's pretty wild and uh because he was a so the previous king of thailand i thought like Boomy Bull, I think he's called. I can't remember the the previous king of Thailand. He only died a few years back, but he was he was like a jazz composer. He wrote sort of Dixieland, and he'd heard this band play in the White House in 1967 with with Lyndon Johnson or something. And for his 70th birthday, we were we were flown in. They they paid for this, you know, the all these loads of Texans and a and a Canadian to come and play some jazz at him. And he he jammed with the band as well. And there's all sorts of weird things. You're not supposed to be. You're not supposed to stand taller than the king of 
the, than the than the monarch there. He's supposed to kind of duck down, but we were like six foot three. He's maybe about five five. <laughs> he's strapping Texans. But at the end of the gig, when we sort of stand up, but nobody wanted to stand up higher than. Him. <laughs> I was thinking about when you're talking about the big band and how there was a kind of culture of kind of fear and like if you couldn't make mistakes and what that did to you as a musician did that kind of inform the way you approach like playing in orchestras and then maybe like when you when you went moved into playing with old day brastards did that allow you a bit more room to make mistakes and did that affect anything about your playing quite a long question i hope that's a good one yeah i think it's <laughs> a good one yeah no. I, I think that I think that like fear, fear of, um, I don't know if have I frozen or something. If um, no. fear of making mistakes is kind of what, um, what stops you from getting better. So I, I, maybe I, if I look at, back at it, I think I kind of plateaued at a certain point, probably just due to being afraid of making mistakes, trying stuff I wasn't that great at in front of other people, like in front of my peers. And I think that's, that's probably from being put in this position where, I needed to be kind of perfect in front of an audience uh, in front of my peers all the time. And yeah, I kind of had this mindset that I just needed to be perfect. And it's definitely perfectionism is something I try to just get rid of, try and get, I try really difficult. It's really difficult to get rid of perfectionism because I mean, nobody is, nobody's perfect ever, but just being able to kind of uh, try something new out and and knowing you might fail at it, but knowing nobody's going to ostracize you and make fun of you. Like you, you can just, you can just develop as a that that opens the door to like actually getting much better as a musician and um, and improving rather than just being you know limiting yourself because of fear is is exactly why people you know don't succeed in the music business I think. Did it take you a while to get used to the different sounds of the different orchestras in London? It got it took me a while to get used to like the sound of London, like London orchestras in general, like kind of changing my sound from kind of being suitable to American style stuff to being more suitable to a, a London orchestra. But and what in what way did it impact your playing? What sort of things did you have to alter? Yeah, mainly my sound. I had to do a lot to um, make it a bit more kind of focused and compact from playing in that big band and and trying to pl- play in the American style uh, solos and things. I. I made this, I don't know, I think some people described my sound as, as like a Mack truck almost. It was, it was pretty, it was enormous. And it was, I could, I could, uh, in Texas, I could like annihilate this 24 person big band with like a <laughs> incredibly subsonic loud, you know, D flat. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I prided, I prided myself on that. But it's, it's kind of it's kind of useless in the classical music scene. In so, I bet some film sessions, though. Oh yeah, I mean that, that is a, a handy thing to be able to do. Yeah, I'm not, but I think I've kind of lost that. Really, but there are guys. There are guys who can, you know, like uh, Owen Slade, the tuba player, who does, you know, he's done hundreds and hundreds of films. He he is incredible at just this dominating, majestic tuba and chimbasso sound. And yeah, I kind of wish I could still do that. <laughs> <laughs> But you've done some pretty cool film sessions, Dan. Like yeah. what, you've done the uh, Avengers Endgame, as well as many other Avengers and Marvel things. I think I'm just in the um, the kind of big uh, uh, battle scene at the end oh, of Endgame. God, that's one of the greatest oh, moments. But, I mean, of come cinema. on, though. That's yeah, exactly. Only in that. That's amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's my only bit of like Alan Silvestri. But yeah, he's a that guy is an absolute master. Alan Silvestri was he conducting when you did it? I don't think he was. He, I think it was somebody else because I, I think it was, you know, one of these things. It's one of these sessions that gets tacked on um, 
kind of late in the process to, you know they want they've they've changed the 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 picture on screen by a millisecond so they need to change the whole music thing and, they had a whole uh, different ending before it was oh, uh, yeah. it was thanos and uh, iron man just goes to the pub yeah exactly and, uh, they just decide to make amends you know it's fine yes. yeah. we'll call it quits lads yeah. <laughs> obviously they put this extra session on and then whoever you know superstar based trombonist can't do it so luckily i was free and available oh come on dan but um yes, you're doing yourself a disservice on. here i mean you'd already done so many of the films i mean you did remember you saying you did thor the the lost what's it called the lost world well, no whatever this that, sequel jurassic park? that's jurassic park i <laughs> yeah. wish i was on jurassic park <laughs> yeah, that, thor the second one the second thor yeah the dark yeah. One, dark thor dark two Knight. i guess <laughs> the dark realm the dark dream that it's dark something's dark it's yeah it's the one dark with all the kind of funny uh like goblin-y looking people <laughs> yeah um, I've, I've not watched that one i, I watched the first thor lovely one. bass trombone playing in it oh it's there's some parpy moments in that but I, I can't remember was that i think that might have been brian tyler that one and he he loves his Maybe, kind yeah. of contrabass trombone like kind of uh really f- f- uh flatulent lower brass playing <laughs> Um, <laughs> is there one that you think back to and feel like uh, that was a real special moment like, to be involved in that film is there one that stands out to you I, well I, for me that Dunkirk one was because like Christopher Nolan's always been one of my favorite directors and for me that that's like my main box tick getting to play I, me- I remember sitting in like my best mate's basement watching like Memento and stuff and watching different movies and thinking god I you know, I'd, I'd hear a bass trombone come through and, and my buddy would be like, hey, is that that thing you play? And then I'd say, <laughs> yeah, I wonder how you get one of those gigs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I do love playing on those, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a rare occurrence, but it's a nice treat to be on one of those movies. And I'm not sure what my favorite, I've done a few kind of Danny Elfman ones. I've, I've done like three or four Danny Elfman ones. Oh, yeah. There's been, yeah, some of those are very cool. Like he's, he, um, he's got a particular sound and it's, it's awesome. He's got amazing sounds there. You always know it's Danny Elfman film. I don't know how you make such a signature sound, but you, you hear one one cue from a film and you're like, well, first Danny Elfman, that's cool. Yeah, it's a magical kind of sound. I think it might be the percussion elements, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I know he um, he doodles things out or just works things out on a marimba, I think. Really? That was like his... Um, he was in a band there, wasn't he? Uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of it. Uh, I'll cut in here with uh, the name of the band. <laughs> Fact checking, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like Oogie. No, I won't say it. Oingo Boingo, something like that. All right. I don't know. It's not right. I don't know. Might be right. Um, <laughs> it was Oingo Boingo. As I said, I should have backed myself there. They were an American new wave band formed by songwriter Danny Elfman in 1979. The band emerged from a surrealist musical theatre troupe, the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Bye. No, he did a a masterclass thing uh, on that website, masterclass.com, and uh, talks about how he writes, but he uh, works things out on the marimba. Well, it could could be a glockenspiel. Something like that, one of those. Again, you can drop one of those in for that. ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's the marimba. In fact, he's got a five-octave marimba, special one. They usually only have four octaves, but he's got five. Back to the show. <laughs> but he's a uh, he's a cool guy. Have you have you met him? Have you? Oh, didn't you? Did you spill a drink on him? 
No, I didn't spill a drink. Oh, did I? No, I don't think I spilled a drink on him. There, there was definitely some awkward kind of TQ moments where, like, I was, he was right behind me while I was trying to get seven cups of tea ready. And oh, God. Slightly embarrassed. <laughs> um, I've seen, I've seen uh, Tim Burton kind of storm out of the control booth uh, uh-huh. trying to get a hold of his cinematographer to, yeah, to, to change the picture by, like, yeah, like about a millisecond. And there was, um, I was actually like I was sat I was finished my cue waiting to go back in and I was just doing a bit bit of brasters arranging I was sat there trying to do I was trying to arrange this Arctic Monkeys tune and yeah and like Tim Burton comes flying out like wow that's that's, this is interesting I should try and remember this (laughs) if I'm ever on a podcast well talking about old dirty brasters um I'd like to talk a bit about about that you know because that's that's been a big part of our lives isn't it and uh have you enjoyed that bit of your life yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the internet's frozen at that exact moment. Did, it? You're, you're f- Did I freeze? Your, your face is frozen like half open. You, you enjoy the... You froze for me, but yeah. That's the thing. When I, when I freeze for you guys, you guys definitely freeze for me. It's pretty funny. All um, right, let's see. Oh, yeah, no. Blast has been so much fun. It's been the most, the most fun. Yeah. Do you find that gives you a bit of space to grow, make mistakes and just... Be, you know, it's nice to be around your mates, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's definitely the best. I mean, it's nice to just yeah to to be accepted or you know relatively accepted and and to uh, <laughs> uh, yeah just kind of be be yourself and it, it is like a tight knit group and I th- I think it's been solidified through this lockdown too because it's like having it, it's like a second family really and um, it, it's it's just a lot it's a lot of fun, isn't it? It's the uh, I don't know. I find kind of playing those like it's it's the only place really where I get to play like my own arrangements and my friends' arrangements. Well, you know, in Septura, I get to play my friends' arrangements, uh, which is always great and fulfilling. But to play your own and uh, you know, I, as much as I love classical music and it's been a a way of life for me, my my true love is still kind of like pop music. So I I, I love playing kind of. We did this whole album of uh, Arctic Monkeys music the, the album from top to bottom and I, th- I think that's kind of one of my musical highlights of my life is playing that in playing that in sheffield and to like you know what like a couple thousand people like well how many people do you play it for us yeah and in yeah. manchester as well like playing playing oasis's debut album top to bottom in on the, on the 25th anniversary of it coming out or something and it was just it was a real buzz doing that i, I love doing that that's what i really hope we get to go back and do i hope that we can ram ram a club full of too many people like two thousand people really drunk and play some play some music that they, that they love oh. hey dan west there oh he's great isn't Fantastic. he Fantastic. so he's good even when the internet yeah. tried to scupper us we still managed to get loads of good stuff out of him didn't we he was yeah, great we did. <laughs> we did. dan's excellent he's a, such a good musician lovely guy yeah and um yeah we've got some links to some of his um things that he's done yeah to check out so we talked about his um productions that he's been doing music productions um links below we've got the the christmas ep he did for the old dirty brastard oh yes the john lennon tune mary what is it the one with um merry little christmas oh yeah war is over that one that yeah. one yeah and then we've got the paul mccartney one 
Simply having. I'll stop there. Wonderful Christmas time. Thank you. <laughs> you see, I've been practicing my full set. Yeah, you have. Since, it's lovely. Since Yestin's lesson. Isn't it? It's very smooth, I'd say. Thanks. Um, so links to that. Also links to his band called The Pollution, which is the stuff oh. that he's been um, releasing. Uh, I don't know if he said the name Pollution in, in this chat, but uh, that's what it's called. Um, so there's links to his band camp down there. So you can actually give a little bit of Cheds his way and Great. download his... Um, his tracks which are really good uh what else that is probably it yes 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 well <laughs> because i'm sat in a cupboard and you're sat in a car so yes. <laughs> this is this is high level I'm sat in a car and there's bus drivers and postmen walking past going he's is he doing that podcast again? <laughs> there he is he's an idiot doing that podcast <laughs> lurking lurking on street corners yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> got work coming in my kitchen so can't can't be in the house no and it's just a big big boomy echoey uh shell at the moment in my house oh so you can sort of reenact so, phantom of the there. opera but not much else <laughs> yeah that's good it. now uh what's uh, ne- next week yeah. guys there's gonna be no episode silence silencio that's right we're having a week's silence we are we are to make mark um, 44 episodes <laughs> Why are we doing that? Well, <laughs> well, for many reasons. There's lots going on in both yeah. of our worlds, isn't there, over the next week? <laughs> and um, admin to be yeah, done. Basically, I, I'm doing up my house and I, I just haven't got time. No, so, uh, too much. Sorry, everyone. But hopefully you won't, you won't miss us too much. No. And if you're relatively new to listening to us, you can check out some of our wonderful back catalogue now. There's many. Yeah. So go back, yeah, yeah. go back to episode one and hear Phil again from last year or Rodney Vubia. He was a lovely, lovely chat, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, who else did, did I like? Um, no, that's probably That's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> but you might find more in them, <laughs> listener. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to have a little week off yes. and uh, recharge the old batteries. That's right. It's kind of spring now, isn't it? It is. It's kind of getting there. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Positivity and hope on the horizon, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And anything else you want to add? Very <laughs> no, so little. I mean, it's early-ish in the morning on Monday and I've, I've got a few words. Everyone will be pleased <laughs> to know. <laughs> good. Oh, that's good. How about you, Seb? Anything? Anything you'd like to add? Yeah. No, not really. Not really. No. I'm just, uh, I just hope everyone's all right. Yeah. And, um, and all that. Yes. And, Thanks for listening to the show. And if you want to join our Patreon, we have more more of Dan West. We've got like, like another <gasps> do. sort of 30, 40 minutes or so yeah. uh, of stuff. Um, so there's extra content of Dan if you enjoyed his dulcet tones. Mm. And uh, and there's other people on there, other episodes, uh, and yeah, other rewards if you join the Patreon. If you don't want to do that, which is fine, you can just um, tell a friend, yes. share the episode, tweet about it. That kind of thing would be fantastic. Help us get some more listeners. Hurrah! <laughs> but we like you you listener as well you're like, our favorites yeah yeah we're not just trying to get new ones no. we like you too yeah, yeah. right we, uh, we've we've blathered on yeah. for too long <laughs> we have it's time to tie go, this up isn't it go and watch the septura gig yeah if you still can otherwise go and do something else Hurrah. go up to the nearest human and give them a kiss on the cheek <gasps> but only behind a mask if it's within the rules yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, right. See you later, everyone. See Bye. you in two weeks. Bye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.